You're listening to a sermon preached at First Baptist Church in Farwell, Texas. We are committed to loving God, loving people, and going into the world to share the gospel. We pray you find this message both challenging and encouraging. But Jesus, three days later, he arose. Amen? Amen. John chapter 20. Um, I want to share this with you real quick. I want you to uh, listen to the story. If you have your Bible, follow along with me. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running back to Simon Peter. Some would ask why Simon Peter wasn't there with her, and just because guys sleep in, right? Uh, she was up and early at the tomb. She went running to Simon Peter and to, to the other disciple. This is always interesting, the one Jesus loved. Who do you think that was? It's the author of this gospel, John. She went running to Simon Peter and to the one Jesus loved and said to them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Again, uh, John's a humble fellow here. Uh, he's talking about how he outran uh, Peter. Very competitive, competitive dude. Verse 5, stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and believed. For they did not understand the Scriptures, that, they must, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they, they are staying. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they have put him. Having said, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you are seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Uh, just that phrase, Mary, Jesus speaks her name. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and she told them what had happened to her. Father, teach us through your holy word this morning. Shape and mold our hearts and our minds to be more like you. Father, we love you and we thank you. It's in your Son's precious and holy name, I pray. Amen. Mary raised from inside of that tomb to walk in a new way of life. Because of the resurrected Jesus Christ, Mary walked home in a completely different way than she walked to the tomb. She had seen the resurrected, not yet ascended, Lord and Savior. As we look at God's Word this morning, uh, we are going to worship, continue to worship. We've been worshiping through music. We're going to continue to worship through the study of His 
word. Today is all about celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, without the resurrection, the birth of Jesus Christ is a fairy tale. It's just a fairy tale of a little baby uh, being born in a manger and laid in a tomb. Without the resurrection, that's all that it is. But the birth of Jesus Christ was a monumental event. The death of Jesus Christ without the resurrection at best is just an uncalled for murder. It's just a guy on a cross who has been killed like many others before him and many others uh, after him. Without the, without the resurrection, the crucifixion is just murder. But we know that the crucifixion was a monumental event. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 6, Mary asks the angel, where have you put him? He's not here, the angel says, for he has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. I want to ask you a question this morning that I want you to think over for a moment. How has the resurrection of Jesus Christ affected your life? We can see immediately it affected Mary's life. But how has the resurrection of Jesus Christ affected your life on a daily basis? I'm not talking about eternity. I'm talking about your, your, your Monday through Sunday. How is the resurrection of Jesus Christ affecting you? Maybe it might be a, an easier way to ask the question like this. If Jesus Christ was still in the tomb today, how would it change your life. If Jesus Christ was still in the tomb today, how would it change your life? One day, now listen, I, I would love to be able to go around the sanctuary and hear the stories. There would be some absolutely wonderful stories to know how the resurrection of Jesus Christ has changed some, some lives. There would be some stories, people's like, I, I'm not really sure. But listen, one day, one day, that question, how has the resurrection of Jesus Christ changed your life? What have you done with Jesus? One day, that won't be a rhetorical question. One day, you will stand before God. I will stand before God, and God will ask, what did you do with my son? Listen, get ready today. Don't wait for that day, and we have no idea when that day is coming. But don't wait for that day. But listen, that day is coming. I can guarantee you that day is coming with the same faithfulness that Jesus said. Don't, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going away, but I'm coming back. The same faithfulness of that statement. The same faithfulness of Jesus saying, I'm going to be in the tomb three days, but I'm coming back. Oh, and listen, he did. And today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The same faithfulness of that event, the resurrection. We can bank on it. We can, we can be confident that we will all stand before God one day and we will answer that question, what did you do with my resurrected son? In the late 60s, a young married couple was pregnant with their third child. Uh, this was the first boy. Um, and normal excitement about being pregnant, but they were also, um, they were also very angry at themselves. They thought of bringing another child into the world and raising him in the culture of the 60s was 
foolish. This, this thought of raising this child in the late 60s um, brought fear in their life. It brought anxiety to their lives. It even brought a level of guilt that they were bringing this other child into the culture of the 60s. In the 60s, you know, we were, uh, the, the, the drug uh, war was, was going on. It was the height of the Vietnam uh, War. Uh, the, the, the whole phenomenon of God is dead, was running rampant. And um, as bad as that is, let's think just for a second, let's fast forward to 2018. Uh, we're still in the middle of a drug war, if not worse, with meth- methamphetamines just totally uh, wreaking havoc on families. Um, uh, it's, 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 not, it's not just a question, is God not dead? There is an assumption by many that God is absolutely dead. The growest religion today is not a denomination any of us are familiar with. The growest religion today is the religion of no religion. That's the fastest growing religion. None whatsoever, none. But let's go back to the story. This young couple who was uh, pregnant with this young boy was, was just fearful of raising him uh, in this culture. They were both songwriters, and in the middle of their anxiety, in the middle of their fear, they did what they were so used to doing, and they called upon the one that they had planted their trust in. And they penned these words. Listen to the words of this song. You will recognize it really quick. How sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives. But greater still, the calm assurance, this child can face uncertain days because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. And life yeah, I'm sorry, because I know he holds the future, and life is worth the living. Why? Just because he lives. Just because he lives. Listen, we can face tomorrow. We can celebrate that Jesus Christ is alive. Because he lives. Listen, because he lives, I don't have to worry when I wake up in the morning. Listen, because he lives, I don't have to be reactive to the culture. I can be proactive to the culture. I can say this no matter what happens every single morning. When I wake up in the morning, I can say, God wins. God is in control. And no matter what happens to me, no matter what happens to me, I'm in God's hand. Why? Why? How, how can we have that type of assurance? Because of, of, of my walk with Christ? Oh, absolutely not. It's only because of the resurrected Jesus Christ, because he lives. Listen, I know full well that there are people in our sanctuary today that feel much like Bill and Gloria Gaither who penned the words of because he lived. It's possible you're in a spiritual dry season. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you have a a newborn baby. Or maybe you have a teenager. You thought a newborn baby was scary, and then they turned 13. And then they turned 16, and you gave them keys to a car. And then they graduated, and there was no more rule, no more curfew. Maybe you are a teenager. Maybe you're a senior, and you're thinking, oh, man, graduation is right around the corner. All of these options, all of these opportunities, all these questions, but very little answers. Listen, I want you to hear me. You can face uncertain days 
because he lives. You can face uncertain days. You don't, you don't have to know the answer to the end of today to, to walk through today victoriously. You can face uncertain days all because Jesus Christ lives. We live in some uncertain days. Do you know that, that in the last 100 years, more Christians have been killed because of their faith than in the previous 2,000 years combined? More Christians have been killed in the last 100 years than in the last 2,000 years combined, all because of their faith. Just this morning, I was looking at the news, and in Sri Lanka, 100, over 100 people killed as three churches had bombs go off inside their church. We live in uncertain days. None of us are guaranteed another moment. We're not guaranteed another heartbeat. Oh, but we don't have to live in fear. Uh, we don't have to live in anxiety. We don't have to live in the worry. We don't have to live in the guilt. All because Jesus Christ lives. So I want to share a couple. I want to give you two points this morning. Because of the resurrected Jesus Christ, because of the resurrected Jesus Christ, I can pray to a living Savior. Listen, I can, I can pray to a living Savior because of the resurrected Jesus Christ. I'm not praying to a, an idol. I'm not praying to some inanimate object. I can't imagine walking up to a Buddha and rubbing his belly and laying my request at that little fat fella. And, and hoping, hoping that my, my sins have been forgiven or that my needs are going to be met. I can't imagine taking a banana to the monkey god in India. No, true story. There is a, there's like a 20, 26-foot monkey god in India where one of our missionaries are at, and people take bananas and fruit all day long, 24 hours a day, and they take it to that monkey god, and they lay their request. They're praying for their family. They're praying for all the needs in their life. Can you imagine how empty that is? That's why, that's why they don't have just one god, but they have 300 million gods. Listen, we can pray to a living Savior, all because we know He lives. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Turn there real quick with me in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 4, one of my favorite, or just write it uh, in the margin of your Bible, one of my favorite scriptures on the confidence of prayer. We are, we are called in Hebrews chapter 4, we are called to come into the presence of Jesus Christ with boldness. Listen to me, listen to it. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, then it identifies who that great high priest is. It's Jesus Christ, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted. Listen, listen, this is so good. Jesus Christ, I want you to think real quick. Don't think too long because you might sin. Think real quick of your temptation. Real quick, you done it? Okay, now get rid of it. Jesus Christ was tempted in that same exact way. But Hebrews chapter 4 tells us he was without sin. Every temptation that we have faced, every temptation that we're going to face, Jesus Christ. Now listen, it might not have, have been the exact same because of technology and everything. It's not the exact same thing, but it was something that it, it boiled down to the same exact sin. It boiled down to the same root sin. Jesus Christ was tempted, just like you and I are tempted, yet He is without sin. So listen, when we pray to a risen Savior, we are not praying to someone who can't understand what we are going through. We are praying to someone who could say, yep, been there. 
and I conquered it. And I can help you conquer. Hebrews, let me keep on going. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. So watch this. Therefore, because that's the kind of person we're praying to, that's the Savior we're praying to, one who is seated in the heavenlies, one who has been tempted just as we are, but without sin. Let us approach the throne of grace. Listen to Jesus. He's saying, oh, come, come to the throne of grace. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that, here's why, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the proper time. Listen, that's a lot different than a fat little fella Buddha, right? That's a lot different than a monkey God. Listen, our God, our resurrected, Jesus Christ has come to me with boldness. I know what you're going through, yet I didn't sin, and I can give you the power, I can give you the strength to say no to that same temptation. Oh, the hurt that you're feeling, I have felt it just as well. And I can, I can pour salve on that hurt that you have never felt before, that there's no sin in this world that can help you uh, get through that hurt. Like I can help you get there. Oh, so come to me. Come to me with boldness. I will give you mercy and grace to help you in the time of need. Listen, I don't know the specifics of what you are going through this morning. But I know that Jesus Christ is calling us to come into His presence with boldness. His presence, the throne of grace, it's His presence. Presence of Jesus Christ. Have you, have you ever said, oh, if I would have just been like the disciples, I could probably believe, I'd, I'd be a little bit more bold. I was, no, they, they struggled too. But the resurrected, ascended Savior is saying, come into my presence. Listen, that, that Hebrews chapter 4 is not just his presence, but it's also his short. That I will give you mercy. You're going through temptation? Maybe you have fallen in temptation. It's not the time to stop praying. That's the time to start praying. And he says, I'll give you mercy. You deserve death, but I'll give you something you don't deserve. I'll give you grace. None of us deserve grace. But Jesus says, I'll give you grace. Listen, as a, as a follower of Christ, the resurrected Savior affects our life because we get to go to the presence and the assurance of Jesus Christ and lay our requests before Him. Go to the throne of grace with boldness. Listen, every need that sin says it will fill. Do you know that you know every temptation is saying, I can feel the need that you have. But it's saying it this way, I can feel the need you have with a shortcut. You go God's way, and it might take you a little bit longer, but you come my way, and it's a shortcut. Do you know that I took a 14-year shortcut to, to, uh, to ministry? At 15 years old, God called me to ministry. But it wasn't until I was 27 years old that I surrendered to ministry. You see, I took a shortcut for about seven years, thinking that sin was, I had the man, temptation was just eating at me, and, and that temptation was saying, oh, you can have whatever you want, and you can have it right now. It's a shortcut. I'm telling you, that sin wasn't a shortcut. You ever been on a shortcut, and by the time you're like, oh, why did I even go this way? Should have just stayed going the same way I was going. A lot of wives just looked at their husbands. 
I'm not looking at mine. Why? We have, hadn't we? We've all taken shortcuts. We've been there literally. Like we've taken a shortcut. We think this is going to save so much time. It doesn't save. And we've done that spiritually as well, right? Every temptation is saying, I can fill that void. I can fill that need with a shortcut, with sin. But listen, every temptation Jesus can meet. And he can meet it much better than the sin can, can meet. Listen, a prayerless Christian is an oxymoron. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm really wanting to get to. How, how has the resurrected Jesus Christ affected our life? And some might say, well, I just, you know, I'm really not into prayer. I'm just, listen, it's a, a prayerless Christian is an oxymoron. It, it's, a, it's a contradiction of terms. We might, we might be guilty of saying this, that I'm just, I'm just too busy to pray. No, listen, you're too busy not to pray. I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of saying that, like rushing into the day, like, man, I've, just got, I've got all of this stuff I need to get done. I'm just too busy to stop right now. And God is saying, no, 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 you are too busy not to pray. Listen, may we be praying, Christian. <laughs> the resurrection of Jesus Christ opens up the gates of heaven, and there's an invitation to come to Him with boldness. Listen, when we minimize or even flat out worse, ignore the power and the privilege of prayer, we are living as though Jesus Christ is still in the grave. Think about that for a moment. How has the resurrection of Jesus Christ affected your life? If you're not praying, you are living as if Jesus Christ is still in the grave. Because He lives, we can pray to a living Savior. I like what a buddy of mine, uh, Shane Pruitt, put on social media the other day. He, just, he says, Buddha lived, died, and stayed dead. Muhammad lived, died, and stayed dead. Joseph Smith lived, died, stayed dead. Karl Marx lived, died, and stayed dead. Darwin lived, died, thought he was going to come back as a dog, but he didn't. He's still dead. L. Ron Hubbard lived, died, he is still dead. But Jesus Christ, <laughs> He lived, He died, and three days later He arose. Amen? That's our Savior. And oh, may we go to Him with prayer every single day, all throughout the day. He has opened up the doors and He has said, man, your greatest weapon in life is prayer. Come to me, and I will give you everything that you need. Listen, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I have the privilege praying talking to, communicating to a living Savior. Number two, write this down. I am forgiven by a living Savior. Oh, I love this. I am forgiven by a living Savior. Not only do I have the privilege to pray to a living Savior, but I am forgiven by a living Savior. Think with me for just a moment. On the night that Jesus was arrested, he told Peter that before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Jesus comes to the garden. I'm sorry, Judas comes to the garden of Gethsemane and he betrays Jesus. Jesus is arrested and they take him to Caiaphas to begin his trial. Three times Peter is asked, Aren't you one of aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Three times he says no. And on the last, the rooster crows. Like a broken. Uh, record or a six-second video loop, 
That broken record, you, many of you might not even know what that is. Like, um, let me think of it this way. Um, you're waiting on Wi-Fi, and the little circle of death is just going and going and going and going, right? And you hit refresh, and I'm like, man, I've got an Instagram. Somebody liked something. I need to know who liked it. And it's just going, going. And like, that's, that's what happened to Peter. It's, it's just this loop. You're going to, have you ever had, let me ask you, have you ever had the Holy Spirit whisper in your ear and say, don't do that? Don't go that way. Don't do that. It's what Jesus did to Peter. You're going to deny me three times. And on the third time, rooster's going to crow. What happens? Jesus is being arrested. He's being tried. Do you know him? No, I don't know him. Hey, you know that guy. No, I don't, I don't know that guy at all. Aren't you sure? You, weren't, weren't you one of his disciples? No, I never knew the man. And then the rooster crowed. Over and over. It's just a video loop. The spinning wheel of death just being replayed in Peter's mind over and over and over again. Let me make this personal. Without the resurrection, the audio and the video of our sin just keeps playing over and over and over. The Holy Spirit can whisper, don't do that. Don't go there. And without the resurrection, we just keep going. We just keep going. We just keep on over and over and over. Or without us living in light of the resurrection. We just keep going down the same ruts. Listen, you and I can be forgiven. Not only can we be forgiven, but we can be set free from the guilt of our sin. Because we've earned it? No, no, no. But because we serve a living Savior. Maybe you've said this before. I, I know Jesus has forgiven me, but I just can't forgive myself. I, I know Jesus has forgiven me. I've read that in Scripture. I've heard it preached before. I've heard it Sunday school teachers. But I just can't forgive myself. Listen, your forgiveness of your sin is not more powerful than Jesus' forgiveness of your sin. Listen, if, if, we, if we go, well, you know, I've asked Jesus for forgiveness, but I can't forgive myself. Your forgiveness is not more powerful than Jesus' forgiveness. We must, as Christians, we must recognize the sufficiency of Jesus Christ's forgiveness. And we must accept his forgiveness. We cannot, because here's what happens. So many Christians, we mess up and we start down a trail. And we're just like, man, I've already messed up. I'm just going to keep on going. I'm just, I'm just so riddled with guilt. Can I tell you from personal experience, 1% of guilt destroys 99% of joy. 1% of guilt destroys 99% of joy. And what Satan wants to do is he wants to get you and I, as followers of Christ, to live in our guilt. Because once we live in our guilt, he has us. 1% of guilt destroys 99% of joy. But listen, Peter was given another second chance. Another second chance. Listen to the words of Jesus. Peter, do you love me? Now, when did Jesus 
make that statement? Did he make it before the crucifixion? No. Did he make it while he was on the cross? No. He made it after his resurrection. It's key. He made that statement after the resurrection. Without the resurrection, Peter never would have known of Jesus' forgiveness. That's why I love the story of Peter denying Jesus. You can imagine on Friday night, Peter is filled with guilt. He told me I was going to deny him. I told him I wasn't going to deny him. And then he told me, get behind me, Satan. What was all that about? But I'm just, I knew that I was going to deny him. I messed up. And he's dead. Can you imagine? He might not even slept all night Friday night. Saturday, waking up. Ah, immediately, as soon as the first thought on his mind was the sound of a rooster crowing, being reminded of how he denied Jesus. Denied ever knowing. Filled with guilt. But after the resurrection, Peter says, Peter, do you love me? Listen, a second chance was available for Peter, and a second chance is available for you and I. If there's no resurrection, listen, there is no gospel. And if there is no gospel, there is no good news. There is no second chance. But the Bible is full of stories of men and women who were given second chances after second chances. And I love the fact that God has not hidden from us the failures of people that He has used. Think about it, all throughout the Scriptures, Moses, a murderer, David, an adulterer, Jonah, who ran from God, who became reverse sushi and was spit out on the shore, and then preached an incredible message that outside of Pentecost was probably the greatest revival of all time. But yet first he ran from God. God's not hiding these people from us. He's wanting to show us the cost of our sin, but he's also wanting to show us the forgiveness. Oh, we can be forgiven. Listen, second chances are possible. But hear me, this is key. Second chances are not automatic. Second chances are possible. Second chances aren't automatic. Think with me for just a second. Judas, the rich young ruler, he gave up before the resurrection. He gave up before the resurrection. Pilate, He gave in and had a hand in the resurrection. Listen, the second chance is for men and women who who are like Peter, who have repented, who have recognized their sin, and who have been pierced to the heart because of it. Scripture says that Peter wept because of his sin. There's not enough weeping over our sin in the Christian faith today. There's just an assumption of the second chance. I'm telling you, don't assume. Weep over our sin. Be broken over what breaks the heart of God. And may we repent. May we turn from our wicked ways. Listen, don't give, don't give up. Don't give in. Today is a great day to get back in. Let me say that again. Don't give up. Don't give in. Today is a great day to get back in. Listen, now is the right time to do the right thing. Repent from your sins before it's too late. Don't wait. 1 John chapter 1, 9 tells us if we confess our sins, He is faithful. He is righteous. He's just. He will forgive us our sins. And He will cleanse us. He'll purify us from all unrighteousness. Even yours. Even yours. Even yours. Even mine. He is faithful to forgive us. 
Let me share just a couple of scriptures with you, and then I'm going to close real quick. Just write these down in the margin of your Bible or on a notepad. Psalm 103, verse 12 says this, As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, as far as he's removed our sins, our transgressions from us. I'm so glad that, that God didn't give the psalmist the words, as far as the north is from the south. Think about it. If you start heading north, eventually you're going to get to a point where you start heading south. But listen, you can run like Forrest ran, and you can start running east, and you'll never get to a point where you start running west unless you turn around. Jesus says, as far as the east is from the west, they're, 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 you can't ever, the two never meet. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, for I will forgive the wrongdoing and I will never again remember their sin. Another one very similar, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, I sweep away your transgressions for my own sake and remember your sin no more. Romans chapter 4, verse 12, or verse 25, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 4, verse 25. I, how do we know we can be forgiven? Romans chapter 4, verse 25 tells us he was delivered up for our trespasses, for our sins. He was delivered up. He, he hung on a cross. That's the delivered up. That's the payment for our sin. He paid for our sin on the cross. And it goes on to say, and raised for our justification. That's the, that is the forgiveness of our sins. He was raised up for the payment of our sins. And, and he, was, he was raised for our justification, the resurrection, for our justification for our sin. Listen, on the cross, Jesus shows how much he loves us. And in his resurrection, he proves how much he loves us. The resurrection is the receipt, if you will, that he paid the penalty for our sin. Have you ever gone to Sam's? It's the craziest thing. You go to Sam's and you, you, you take your basket full of stuff. You give the lady behind the clerk. Well, most of them are self-checkout, but you, let's just say old school. You give the lady behind the clerk. You give them money, and then they give you a receipt. You would think that would be enough, but it's not. You've already stayed in line, and then before you get to the door, you have to stand in line again. You have to do what? You have to give them a receipt, and you have to prove to them that you paid for the stuff in your buggy, which I always want to say to them, the lady gave me this receipt proving that I paid for the buggy. Why do I have to give it back to you? But here's Jesus. Paid for our sin, crucifixion, and the receipt, the resurrection. Let me ask you, do you have the receipt? Have you ever accepted the receipt of the resurrection? being justified for your sin? Have you been living prayerless in your walk with Christ? Is today fresh day for you to get back in the game and start, start utilizing the greatest tool we have as Christians and pray? Listen, there's a second chance for all of us. Don't run from it. Thank you for listening to this sermon. 
If you'd like more information about our church or have any questions regarding the sermon you just heard, we would love to hear from you. You can visit our website at www.fbcfarwell.org or send an email to info at fbcfarwell.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter by searching FBC Farwell. It is our prayer that the sermon you listened to was equally challenging and edifying to your walk with Christ. Thank you again for listening and have a blessed week.